Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into The Zookeeper's Wife on today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. The Zookeeper's Wife is a new film that came out this year, 2017, directed by Nikki Caro, starring Jessica Chastain, Daniel Bruhl, Joanne Heldenberg, uh, Mc- Michael Michelhatton, among others. Uh, pretty small cast altogether, with only a couple of names that most uh, Americans will recognize. And uh, Nikki Caro, the director, she films other films of hers that I've seen are Whale Rider, which I think is fantastic, and North Country, which I thought was uh, solid. Well, not great, but but solid. <clears throat> and so, Zookeeper's Wife, if you haven't uh, seen any trailers for it or heard about it is essentially the story of a family that owns a zoo in Warsaw and uh, it's about it's the late 30s and just as World War II is sort of rearing its ugly head as it tends to do and ultimately the the zoo becomes run by the Nazis and used as a sort of uh, makeshift base for them. And through the process of the film, uh, through the progression of the film, uh, Jessica Chastain, the titular zookeeper's wife, and Johan Heldenberg, the zookeeper, are involved in harboring Jews in an attempt to save them. Chastain and Heldenberg themselves are not Jewish. They are Polish, I believe. Uh, Jan and Antonina Zabinski. Uh, this is, uh, I believe, based on a true story uh, written by Diane. The, so the book was written by Diane Ackerman. The screenplay adapted by Angela Workman. And yeah, so that's that's the general plot. And uh, there are there's a lot of like there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. The the animals, <clears throat> which uh, to the best of my my awareness are all real, and and were filmed uh, actually doing the things that they do. Not that they're doing anything you know particularly fantastic, but they're just being animals. And I think that that was. It was nice to, you know, I never, I didn't feel like they were added in post. They weren't CG. I I liked that they were real animals. And the opening sequences in this movie, uh, you know, Chastain biking through the zoo, uh, the subsequent uh, bombing that takes place on on the zoo, during which animals are let loose, um, injured, all kinds of things, uh, roaming free throughout the city. I, I liked all of that. I liked that atmosphere that they created, this sort of hysteria that sets in, this panic uh, that ensues. Uh, 
and this so the vibe that the film starts out with is is strong and i think that caro does a great job of depicting the actuality of these circumstances and then the film uh becomes you know what you kind of expect what at least i understood the film to be about from the trailers which is Chastain and Heldenberg harboring all of these Jews, and it shows how the Jews enter the premises of the zoo, what they are doing to keep them hidden, how they are uh, trying to get them to freedom, and things like that. And that's the bulk of the center of the film. And then sort of the end of the movie is kind of everything comes to a head, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, There will be a spoiler section. I, I do have a lot of things that I want to talk about in specificity, that take place uh, beyond the sort of initial premise. The the problem, some of the problems though that I can, that don't deal with uh, spoilers are the characters themselves. So Chastain is brilliant. You know, she's great in, in every role she's, she does. And she, and it's not no less true in this film as well. Now, uh, Daniel Bruhl is essentially playing his character from uh, uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. I, I don't, I didn't see any remarkable difference between the two. You know, if you just replace uh, his his, uh, well, he was like a, he had some sort of a fix a fixation in in *Inglorious Bastards* on film. I want to say. I, I mean, I know he was after Mel- Melanie Loren, who was in who worked at a theater. Uh, no, he was an actor. That's right. He was an actor because he was in the movie that they were showing. Right. So if you replace the fact that Daniel Bruhl was an actor in *Inglorious Bastards* and in, ex- instead make him a zoologist slash geneticist, same person. He he has the same mannerisms. He has the same sort of ideology in that his relationship with Jessica Chastain in this film is very very similar to his relationship with Melanie Laurent in *Inglorious Bastards*. That being that he is abusing his position as a member of, of as an affiliate of the Nazis to uh, sort of take advantage of and force himself on his female, uh, quote, conquest. But at the same time, he it's clear to him that he is, you know, he believes himself to be one of the good ones. And he most certainly is not. He is definitely a terrible person. And the, the plot outs him as such. Uh, so those are the biggest names in the movie. Now, uh, Chastain's husband, uh, Hilden, Heldenberg, is an, an actor I'm very unfamiliar with. I don't know if he's more recognizable or famous outside of the United States. Uh, I've only seen him in one other film, and it was a foreign language film. Uh, Broken Circle Breakdown, which I quite enjoyed. I don't, it's been a while though, so I don't remember his part in that movie. And I think he's solid in this. I think he does a good job uh, displaying the emotions that take, that, that his character undergoes. You know, obviously harboring fugitives in any sense is a very trying and emotional time, whether they're Jewish, whether they're uh, slaves, whether they're just criminals in general. It's very emotional and difficult to deal with. 
And I think that he sort of gets that path, pathos uh, correctly. The issue that I had, though, is is more in the writing. Uh, you know, so I I can buy that these characters feel the things that they feel. I can buy that they're going through that what they're going through. It makes sense given the circumstances. The issue I have is that the writing doesn't lend itself in such a way to lead us or rather lead the characters into what they feel. So I'll give you an example. Early on, before they start harboring anybody, uh, one of their closest friends, who is Jewish, uh, you know, Jessica Chastain says to her husband, hey, look, let's, you know, can we just keep her? You know, we just, she's our oldest friend. How can we turn her away? And the husband says something along the lines of, you know, like, this is too dangerous. We can't really do this. Uh, you know, think of the position it's going to put us in, something to that effect. Uh, inevitably, they end up keeping the friend, uh, and she stays there. So in that circumstance, you have Chastain saying that they need to keep this person, the husband saying that they shouldn't keep this person, and they end ultimately do. Cut to, like, literally the next scene uh, where, uh, you know, they've found out that Jews are being rounded up and sent to the ghetto, and Chastain, and now... Uh, Heldenberg, the husband, is, uh, you know, Heldenberg, Chastain, and uh, their friend are all eating dinner together, and Heldenberg brings up the topic, like, hey, look, this is a lot bigger scale than we thought it was. We need to start taking in as many people as we can, and Jessica Chastain responds with, wait, what do you mean? We, we don't, you know, you just said it was dangerous. We can't do that. We don't have the room. Like, think of the position it'll put us in. Literally the exact opposite of the scene before it. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I. In my head, I can work out a justification for why these two characters would change their mind about something like this. I can draw the connections in my head if I add a couple of points that weren't shown in the movie. But that's the point. Like they're they're not shown in the movie. We don't see how Heldenberg gets from no, we can't harbor anybody even one person to we should harbor as many people as we can likewise chastain arguing to harbor her friend but refusing to want to harbor children other women uh elderly any of those kind of people like i don't there's a gap there and i think that and that's just one example of i think a lot of examples throughout this film where the writing lets down the story because it is an interesting story uh, you know, they, you know, the fact that this all takes place at a zoo is interesting and it makes things, uh, more cinematic in that way. But the problem is the writing does not keep up with what the story is trying to tell. So this film, you know, takes place over effectively six years, uh, with a sort of tag at the end that skips forward a little further. And there's no sense in t passage of time. We don't really feel that these people have been there for that long. And I get, you know, they say there's a, a lot of dialogue and text at the end of the movie. Saying, you know, how many people they harbored, how many of them survived, how long they were there, etc. And some people were only there for a few nights, some people were there for a very long time. 
we, I, you know, their friend is there for pretty much the entire length of the movie. I didn't get that sense at all. You know, there's no agency in these characters. There's no presence to them. There's no impact uh, in, in their relationships. You know, there's all these moments that happen throughout the movie where I believe they're in the intention is to sort of elicit an emotion from us, the viewer, based on what is occurring in this character's life. And outside of Chastain, and uh, I'm not sure who the actress is. I'm trying to figure it out right now. I want to say... Gina, no. Uh, Let me see, maybe it's on... Shira Haas. She plays uh, a young girl in this film who is one of the first, who, who, who is harbored in the first sort of uh, group of people. And she is great. I think she's great. And, and she and Chastain are the two characters in this entire movie that I actually could feel... I guess the emotional journey that they go through for the most part. Uh, And all of these other characters. So, you know, Chastain and her husband have a son who, you know, he, 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 you know, he's like maybe seven, eight, nine, ten at various points throughout this film. And it seems like, and there's a sort of climactic moment toward the end involving him that has absolutely no emotional resonance because this guy is a little piece of shit and he makes he he is completely incompetent ab- about what is going on which you know if if you know at the start of the war I'd give I I'd be okay with but 6 years 6 years of this kid living at the zoo living in this house with his parents who are consistently day in and day out harboring fugitives from the Nazis who are consistently telling these people if you make a sound you will die if you make a sound they will take you away they will kill you and i don't for it it boggles me completely to think of how this kid, having heard this, having lived through this, understanding that when there are Nazis present, all of these people that are hiding in our house aren't around. They're quiet. They're hidden. And if they were found out, they'd be taken away. Having, you know, seeing the devastation and terrible effects going around him. For him, you know, to yell out at the at the Daniel Brühl character at one point in the movie years and years after they've started harboring Jews, um, uh, Hitler ist kaputt, uh, which, um, you know, I mean, kaputt is nothing loosely translated. I'm looking up the actual translation. Broken and useless, no longer working or effective. Uh, Yeah, so, like, basically decrying Hitler and, and everything Hitler stands for. Like, I... It's, it's you know, that single thing that he says could have killed dozens of people, if not more, including him and his family. 
Now, and like I said, if this is if this scene happens at the very beginning, sure. Or if we had seen a an emotional arc for this character to get us to this point where he is decrying Hitler, like obviously he's working against them, he's part of this family, but there's no storyline for this son. He doesn't earn that scene, and the scene itself dis- just completely displays utter incompetence at this kid. And so he was a miserable piece of shit. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, there's there's a lot of things like that that really irked me throughout the movie. And I, I don't... It's, it's a huge huge issue dealing to, to sort of get around them I think uh, the so yeah I, I don't for those many reasons I, I had a lot of issues a lot of problems there's the theme of the movie and I think Jessica Chastain kind of <laughs> that's kind of muddled up too I think the theme that they were trying to get across is there's this moment Jessica Chastain's talking to um, uh, Shira Haas's character, the little girl, and you know Shira Haas has uh, had some pretty brutal shit happen to her. A lot of terrible things took place, uh, and and she conveys that trauma and despair really well. And Chastain is in the process of like just trying to talk to her, just trying to get her to to open up and and receive communication and she's talking about how she prefers animals she's so fond of animals for the simple fact that when you look into their eyes you know their heart and i think i think that's roughly exactly what she says you know exactly what they're thinking you know and i think i think for the most part that's fairly true uh, you know, you can generally look into an animal's eyes and tell if it's scared, tell if it's happy, tell if it's hungry, things like that. And the same is not true for humans. Uh, I can, you know, I think it's only at our most vulnerable and open state where you can look into somebody else's eyes and truly see what they are and who they are and what they're feeling. And that's kind of a goal that, you know, we as humans have is to find a person that we can sort of share that type of intimate relationship with. And so to sort of extrapolate that into the larger narrative, you have, uh, you know, Germany invading Poland, uh, Nazi occupation in this zoo, and that's kind of represented by Daniel Bruhl's character, who's really the only uh, German character that gets a face and a name and the idea is in theory that what he what we see in his eyes is not the truth that he's really something different and i think that there's a lot that you could have done with that you know so the premise for Brule's character he also he owns the berlin zoo and runs that Chastain and her husband run the Warsaw Zoo. And Brule, in some way, becomes part of the the SS, part of the regime. We don't know how. 
were not told. Doesn't make any sense. Didn't get that vibe from him before the invasion, but whatever. Uh, he becomes part of the force occupying Chastain and her husband's zoo. And in an attempt to mask the fact that they're hiding all these Jews there, Chastain and her husband devise a plot where they will graze and grow and breed pigs to help uh, feed the Nazi soldiers uh, and things like that, which will allow them to which will allow them access to the ghetto for their trash, which they will use to feed the pigs, and uh, just sort of a, a means to smuggle people in and out of the facility. Simultaneously, uh, and, and this is a plot line that bears absolutely no fruit whatsoever, Brule's character uses the zoo as a place to breed uh, a bull and a bison type of thing uh, in an attempt to bring back an extinct species of auroch i'll say that again he he's he's there to breed a bull and a bison or some variation therein to resurrect an extinct species of auroch i don't understand i don't like, I get that this is based on a true story, or as far as I understand it to be, it is loosely somehow based on a true story. Even if that were the actual reason, I mean, I guess that probably is, that probably is the exact reason for why Daniel Brühl's character was there and what he was actually doing. I bet that's true. The fact that it never amounts to anything, he doesn't do that, he doesn't accomplish it. It's takes up a lot of time early on and then completely drops off the map and then is brought back again uh, just to kind of enhance the relationship between Chastain and Brule at the expense of like creating a jealousy uh, from her husband. Uh, it's very strange and it doesn't make any sense to me. That entire plot did not need to be in the movie. It was completely inconsequential. And, you know, it's not as if Brule's character lived at the zoo. He visited. He was there and he worked with Chastain. We didn't need to see that. And to that effect, Brule doesn't need to be there whatsoever. Uh, you know, I mean, I understand his involvement in this movie and what role his character plays. But I think it's so poorly written and they attack that angle from such a terrible direction that when you know that there's this moment towards the end of the movie where it almost feels like you're supposed to sympathize with Brule's character who is a predatory Nazi uh, who has previously in this movie killed it, uh, animals in cold blood and uh, presumably uh, you know, sentenced human beings and, and to death and sent them to concentration camps. He exhibits every aspect that you would expect a Nazi to exhibit. And yet, here we are at this moment where he is realizing that something is different than what he expected it to be. And 
the sort of the music swells underneath him in a such a way that is supposed to make you feel like oh shit that's i can't believe like that's awful that they did that to him like no no he's the bad guy at no point during this movie is brule the good guy the first scene we see him in is at a party with chastain's character where he's talking about how he was forced to kill some poor animal uh but it's okay because the cubs survived and they're doing fine and then from then on he's a nazi who is making unwanted advances on chastain and forcing himself into their lives and he takes all of their animals and then he kills their animal it's just it's just ridiculous i i just the character writing outside of chastain and uh and um shira haas for the most part is abysmal and the story there's something to the story but it quickly like crumbles under the slightest bit of 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 uh, of poking and prodding it does not hold up it does not hold any water and so it's it's tough to say that this is an okay movie because there are so many things wrong with it it's less than okay it's not awful you know you're still going to see some great acting from Chastain and Brule and Heldenberg and you're still going to see some pretty strong and and visceral moments and scenes throughout this film but when you look a look underneath the surface it all deteriorates around you and so yeah so not not good not good and uh, that's going to end the spoiler free section of this review uh, there are a few other things that i wanted to discuss in in the spoiler section um and uh I'll do that right after uh, this transition. Any path, so many worth exploring. Just one would be so boring. And look what you're ignoring. So, <laughs> I mentioned the incompetence of the son character in this movie. It pales in comparison to the incompetence of Brule slash the Nazi group he is with. So, towards the end of the film, uh, Heldenberg, the husband, has joined the resistance army against Germany, ends up getting shot, uh, we're told in the neck, doesn't, he doesn't show up again, or doesn't, ha he's, so he's out of the movie, and Chastain is concerned, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know if he's alive, goes to see Daniel Brühl, who is packing up to leave, and she says, could you please just tell me where my husband is? Or if you can, try and help me find him. I just want to know if he's alive. And Daniel Brühl's like, well, what are you going to do for me? And cut, lead, you know, transition into he's forcibly raping her or, or in the process of raping her. There's no penetration. It doesn't get that far. Uh, she manages to utter that she thinks that he's disgusting. And he comments on how I you hide it so well, which one feels disgenuine, disingenuous, 
2 is probably meant to connect back to the line that Chastain has regarding uh, the eyes of animals being very clear in their motives and desires and the eyes of humans being very uh, uh, hidden and uh, masking of our true intentions. But then he makes this leap from what else have you been hiding? With the and you know he picks up a phone. The implication being that he's going to round up some people, send them over to the zoo, figure out what's there. So mistake number one, okay? Let's Jessica Chastain run out of his office. Ridiculous. She's like they're definitely not on the first floor of this building. How he lets her out of this building, I don't understand. There's no way she could have evaded those people. Doesn't matter. We cut past that if that were the case anyway. Somehow, she manages to run whatever the distance it is between where Brule's office and her zoo are. I don't know the distance. If it's more than like a few miles, that's crazy. Even if it's two miles, the amount of time that she has between when she returns to the zoo and when they show up is ridiculous. So that, in and of itself, another issue. Okay, she gets back to the zoo. She rounds up all the Jews that are still there. And somehow they get all the Nazi people to leave. I don't, I didn't understand why that was happening or why they would listen to her in the first place. That's three. Rounds up all the Nazis to leave. They throw them all in the back of this truck. She tries to get her son to go with them. He refuses because he's a fucking piece of shit and... I hate, I hate the son. He's really bad. Anyway, so it's just Jessica Chastain and uh, the son, I believe, and Michael McElhatton. I think he, he stays too. So they get him all in the back of this truck. And the driver's leaving. As the driver's leaving, like three Nazi vehicles drive past him as they're in, entering the zoo. So they clearly see that this guy's leaving the zoo. If... Daniel Brühl suspects that she's been hiding Jews there, which is very obvious. There's absolutely no way he lets this vehicle leave without checking it, at the very least. That's four. That's four very blatant, very easy to determine problems, you know, and which makes no sense because Brühl does not care that much about her particularly now particularly given what just transpired maybe like when they're at the very beginning of their like relationship i'd buy it but not this far into the movie he enters so like he enters the compound he pushes past her enters in the house he's searching the house he finds the basement which is where uh Justine's son is hiding he goes down there. He finds like all these drawings in the wall. There's a scene. Part of these scenes are in the trailer. These are like from the end of the movie. And you know he realizes that oh, there's all these. There's probably so many Jews that were hidden down here. He finds this tunnel system that they used to use for the animals. Catches the sun, chases the sun out up into this cage, locks Chastain in the cage, pretends to kill the sun, doesn't for some reason. Who knows? I guess he cares about her. We don't get that. Uh, and and then he leaves, and it's like none of it ever happened. It's it's just terrible decision after terrible decision after terrible decision. You know, like I'm a big fan of competency porn. 
you know, I love watching someone do something that they're really good at and so good at that they put other people to shame. You know, that's how good they are. Uh, to look at another movie with Chastain, you know, Miss Sloan, which came out last fall, she is like god tier as like uh, as a lobbyist, and that was really enjoyable to watch to see her character do all of those things. Daniel Bruhl is like trash tier as a Nazi. He is so bad at it that it is laughable, and it's it's just insane i don't understand he has an interrogation scene with the son where it you know if where i it felt like and this is kind of the the interpretation i had he's trying to figure out what really happened to the fa- where the father really was he saw the father and the kid in like the ghetto or or near the ghetto and the kid is blatantly lying to him about where his parents are. It seems like Brule realizes this. It doesn't, except he has to make it appear like the character he's playing, um, which is... Uh, I don't remember who the character's name is, though. Uh, da, 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 da. Lutz Heck. It appears like... Brule, Daniel Bruhl 100% can realize, sees that the kid is lying. But he's trying to hide that because his character is not supposed to know. And so the character of Lutz Heck lets this kid just talk circles around him for no reason whatsoever. It's a lot of problems. A lot of problems, guys. A lot of problems. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have much else to say about the movie. Um, this, the, you know, the husband turns out to be alive. There's, you know, I guess that's supposed to be a meaningful piece, moment. It isn't, you know, a lot of the emotions that take, that are supposed to be elicited from the film just never happen. The most visceral moments for me, the scene where you see, um, damn, I keep forgetting her name. Shira Haas, where you see her with the blood streaking down her leg, her disheveled look, and her tear-streaked face. That was devastating. The bombing of the zoo was horrific. Uh, you know, the scene where they have to execute these animals is so painful and so awful. Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, or like just like where they're cleaning the zoo and like there's all these like dead carcasses around. I just those are some pretty awful moments and really terrible scenes to watch. And yet everything around them, all the things leading up to them, like these are all for the most part dealing with the animals themselves. And it's the human characters that don't add anything else to the table. Uh So, yeah, I just i'm not a big fan it's okay at best but generally not a good movie uh you know i'm i'm you know i'm giving i'm probably giving the movie a little too much credit for these for those visceral scenes that i mentioned but just kind of where it's going to stack up 
against the rest of the 2017 slate of films. It's going to end up just above The Shack, which got a 32, and just below Life, which got a 36. Um, so it's going to end up in that 33 to 35 range. Uh, thinking, looking at it right now, you know, I think, let me see here, on on Letterboxd, it has a 3.3. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 59. So, you know, I'm lower than both of those uh, metrics for myself. I'm looking at a 34. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go right in the middle with a 34 for the zookeeper's wife. Um, but like I said, I think that might be a little generous. I do think it's a better movie than The Shack. Uh, but... The shack really doesn't have this many structural problems that the zookeeper's wife does. Uh, so, yeah, that's the zookeeper's wife. You know, great performance from Chastain, but other than that, very little to to write home about. And uh, definitely a low point for me in regards to Nikki Caro, the director. So... Take that for what you will. I don't recommend it, uh, but I don't know. I mean, there's animals. Animals are always great. There's like a little bunny that's really cute. The sun has like a pet skunk who's also pretty cute. There's like a camel that runs alongside Jessica Chastain as she's biking throughout the zoo. Uh, that seems fun. That seems really nice. But doesn't really save the movie. So... Zookeeper's wife, 34, and uh, not not that good, not that good. Thank you so much for listening to this review episode. Uh, there will not be a statistics episode for the Zookeeper's wife. As I mentioned, there are very few uh, notable actors that were involved in this movie. Um, yeah, uh, check out yesterday's preview episode for the april scavenger hunt i'm already four films in uh you know having a being stuck at home bedridden unable to work kind of helps that out quite a bit uh stay tuned uh i don't uh, i'm expecting to have a review episode for uh, ghost in the shell tomorrow once i see it and then uh coming up later there will be the april uh, April born actors top 10 list uh, that uh, to, to come I'm currently working on watching Oscar nominated performances from some of the people at the top of that list just to sort of give myself the best representation of their uh, history as I can I definitely will not finish all of them but I will do the best I can uh, it is currently Sunday I have a secondary, I have a follow-up appointment with my surgeon on Tuesday morning. I don't know if I will be able to go back to work after that or not. Uh, if, you know, uh, if not, you know, obviously I'll bring it up the ep next episode that I, uh, that I record after that point. Um, so if you follow me on Letterboxd at uh, letterboxd.com slash stranger, you you can, you'll probably notice, you'll probably be able to tell based on how many movies I, I review slash watch on the days, 
on that day and following that day. If I do end up going be able, being able to go back to work after that point, uh, naturally my ability to record and watch movies will slow down significantly. Uh, but that's just kind of a wait and see sort of thing. Uh, thank you again for listening. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you may direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you are interested in any of the older episodes or any of the other paraphernalia that uh, is involved in this podcast, you can head over to circleoffilm.com for all of that information. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fails.